You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 95, where we're discussing Justice League. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And joining us this week, a fellow Commonwealth podcaster and comic book junkie, it's our dude, Rob Cast. Woo, hey, guys. Welcome. Hey, thank you. This is awesome. I'm in the Nerd Room. You are here. You are present. <laughs> Virtually in the Nerd Room. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> now, Rob is a host on TSW Comics, TSW Roundtable, and also the Roman Pod and Cast. He's a busy podcaster, and we're super stoked to have you here today to discuss probably one of the most divisive movies since Batman versus Superman, <laughs> now that is a term I'm going to try to avoid quite a bit as we go through this review. But before we get into anything here, Rob, I want to chuck it to you for just a minute, and I want you to briefly introduce yourself. Tell us what comic books you're reading these days. What are you watching on the big screen? All right, uh, what am I watching on the big screen? Well, obviously, uh, Justice League. I watch. I, I, I'm going to be, I'm more of a DC apologist and that's why I'm here. I'm here to balance the scale. So, but, but that's like, it's not like I, it's not that I dislike Marvel at all. I, I enjoy the Marvel. I, I was, saw Thor opening weekend and I usually see most of the Marvel movies on opening weekend. It just, I like DC a little bit more. It just, Good man. <laughs> it's not it like, and for the comics I read, uh, everything's Star Wars. Oh, yeah. uh, Tim and I, we do the TSW comics once a month, and uh, my comic book guy has standing orders to pull everything Star Wars. Yes, and even Mace Windu, and even <laughs> all the other, the droids one, and the, and the adventure ones that come out. Like, I consume it all. Good on you. Uh, as far as my other comic book pulls, I got a few I'm into, you know, I'm kind of into the uh, Star Trek a lot. I, uh, the Boldly Go series has been pretty awesome. Also, too, uh, a lot of DC um, action comics, uh, Superman, nice. uh, also Batman, and also, oh, uh, Sanjay, I do have that first run of Batman uh, 24. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Catwoman proposal? Oh, I, I, I was listening, so. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Man, I missed that one. Normally, I get him first week but the last couple uh, months i've been slacking and then of course i'm just like well i could just get it the next week and that one issue for some reason it's sold out and then i was like oh i i see now so i have yeah. the, i have the second second printing on that the only second printing in my entire batman collection oh, that one's gotta hurt oh every time i see it it's like a disappointment it's like when yeah, your child think... brings home an f in their like homework or their report card just a disappointment <laughs> this is a man with a two-year-old <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they're on like the seventh or eighth printing now that's crazy oh, but anyway that, i don't mean a sidebar of the whole show but yeah that's it uh, as far as uh what i'm watching uh i watch mostly all the uh, dc dc stuff on tv at uh, the flash uh the the legends and uh, the even arrow i've i've hung in there as hard <laughs> as that, that's a whole another show but yeah i've hung in there uh the marvel stuff I uh, I watched uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage. Uh, I fell off on um, 
what was the last one? Iron Fist or Defenders? Yep, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not like I said, it's not that I don't like it. It just my 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 leash is a little shorter when it comes to Marvel. So <laughs> everyone leans to one side or mm-hmm. the other, and like you said, Rob, it's great to have you here to kind of balance that out because everyone knows how hard I lean the other way, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I do that just for play, and other times I do that because I think it's about time that DC Warner Brothers step up to the plate and do something big in their cinematic universe. I expect more from them. <laughs> and I'm just kind of lobbing that out there just to preempt what we're going to discuss I here. wonder what Tim thinks of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, the way the way I see it as like Marvel and DC, it's like you may prefer blondes, you may prefer brunettes, but it's, you don't it's not like you totally know I'm not I'll never touch a blonde because I love brunettes. No, no. Oh, no, no, no. We, we, we love them all. Just you might prefer one a little better than the other. That is probably the most apt Yeah, I've never heard it put that way, but yeah, that's... <laughs> And, I mean, you're reading Star Wars and Star Trek. You don't hear that too often. So, I mean, you definitely play both sides of that fence. I, I do play both sides. And, my, <laughs> and I know my, the analogy I made is kind of odd, seeing well, I am bald. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you prefer bald. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Never, not usually. but. <laughs> so, needless to say, Rob is going to be an awesome addition this week to discussing, like I said, one of the more divisive movies of the year and going into it Troy and I leveled some of our hopes some of our dreams if you will what we think that Justice League needed to be successful on last week's show and I want to hear from you and Rob Sanjay about what you guys were expecting going into this and how are you feeling going to the film because we all knew that they didn't release any of the reviews that's Rotten Tomato any critic reviews up until almost the time of release on the Thursday mm-hmm. and some were speculating ourselves included that they were keeping those back to avoid any early criticism of the film and an early reflection on the box office numbers and we all know where this landed but prior to that how are you guys feeling going into this from the trailers from what we'd seen from behind the scenes the kind of the development turmoil this had gone through kind of level with me were you excited were you pumped were you expecting the best film of all time <laughs> Well, going into this film, you know, Justice League, how could you not be pumped? If you're a DC Comics fan, Justice League is their premiere, their flagship title. It was the title that launched the New 52. It was the very first comic book I read was Justice League New 52, issue number one. So I was super jacked about it. But to be honest with you, I was a little bit um, upset at the marketing department. When Batman vs. Superman came out, that film, it felt like a big event. I mean, I had seen stuff on YouTube where they were interviewing different celebrities, different actors, actresses, even some from Marvel asking, are you more of a Batman fan? Are you more of a Superman fan? And they created this whole event around the movie. Um, Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Turkish Airlines, they did ads and they did like, come to Gotham, come to Metropolis. There's that hashtag too, who started you on? I think that might yeah. have been the Civil War one, but there was, <laughs> there was definitely a battle going on within that, within fandom about who's starting on Batman or Superman. So yeah. people amped up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as a Superman fan, we were in the minority, but that's okay. <laughs> and then Suicide Squad came. The marketing for that was on point. You could say what you will about the movie, but the trailers, um, the Blitz marketing campaign that Warner Brothers put out really saved that film and gave it a great opening weekend. And that box office is fantastic. If you said Suicide Squad would make over $750 million worldwide, 
five years ago without even releasing in China, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. And forty million more on opening weekend than, than Justice, Justice League. League. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's insane. And then Wonder Woman as well. The marketing campaign for that was fantastic. Justice League, the marketing campaign left me wanting, and I was kind of wondering, where is this giant marketing campaign? Where is their awareness? So many people at work would ask me, hey, when's Justice League coming out? Is Justice League coming out this weekend? I don't even know. And it's very confusing to me that they just didn't promote this film the way it should have been promoted, in my opinion. So I was a little bit worried about that. But going in, Zack Snyder's my guy. He's my boy. Um, I love every movie he's done that I've seen. I haven't seen them all, but uh, I, I just love the guy. He's a fantastic director. His idea, sometimes he gets a little too ambitious and it doesn't connect with the general audiences. But for me, it always connects. And so I was really excited to see this. And then I heard Whedon had taken over. But I was a little bit concerned how much did Whedon shoot? How much did Snyder shoot? So, you know, I, I was cautiously optimistic, I would say, going into this. I mean, I knew I would enjoy this because I enjoyed Suicide Squad, so I could enjoy pretty much any DC Comics film. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Rob, what are your thoughts? Well, much like you, I'm a, I'm a Zack Snyder apologist. Um, I, I was listening to an episode of uh, of the Nerd Room that you guys put together. You were putting together your top five or top – what would slip into your top ten comic book movies? Mm-hmm. And for me, Watchmen is – is it, it challenges for number one, but it's top wow. three guaranteed. Cool. Absolutely, like it, it is outstanding and fantastic. So uh, I I love I, I love the direction or the, the Zack Snyder and the, how he directs his movies, and then of course uh, Batman v Superman. When you, we got that, it, it just I enjoyed it because I love DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fell in love with Superman. I was a uh, a little kid when I saw him fly across the screen in '78 with Richard Donner's Superman, and and just to see Superman fly was outstanding. So I was he had me hooked. I loved him. I loved the Christopher Reeve. I loved all the movies. Well, maybe not Superman Four, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so I they have me. So I love. I, I loved the Batman v Superman, and I love the just the nuances of it because I'm a fan of DC, and I'm a fan mm-hmm. of these characters. So they they didn't have to. I can put away. Oh yeah, it didn't. Maybe the general public didn't accept it right away, or like they they, they were hoping they would. Mm-hmm. So, but, but I was like, okay, I don't care what the general public says. I like that movie. So now I think Justice League. We had this. The general public had this. The Fairweather movie fan had a bad taste and they just weren't they 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 just weren't like oh it's justice league it's going to be the same thing as uh batman v superman or whatever it's just they they wrote it off i think Mm -hmm. and never really gave it a chance a lot of it too was that justice league seemingly was set up as a sequel to a film that not a lot of people liked Mm -hmm. yes so that was one of the issues there and one of the things you said there sanjay really struck me is this idea of ambition and Zack snyder having this very ambitious view of what the DC Cinematic Universe should be. Mm-hmm. So hold on to that. <laughs> we're going to get into that. But one thing I just wanted to level with everyone listening right here is we're all four of us are quite aware of the critical reception that this has taken and the beating at the box office that it has taken, even though it did make $96 million. And one thing that I want to say is that as reviewers, we do have a bit of responsibility here to look at things with a critical eye. But I want us to also bring in our perspective of being also common moviegoers, people watching the film. Because I find I wear two different sets of goggles here. I wear 
a common movie goer goggle when I'm sitting in the theater, but also when I'm writing up the review, I find myself being a little bit more critical and picking things apart. So we're all going to do our part to try to highlight both the negative aspects, the things that fell short, as well as the positive things. Because I think there is a good film in here, not to give away how I feel about this, <laughs> but there are parts of this that really fall flat and there are parts of this that really shine and give me some optimism that this universe going forward can leverage those aspects, those brighter spots in this film and put out a product that can be well received. They just need to kind of step back. So we're not gonna take this thing apart piece by piece. We're not gonna go beat by beat as we have in the past. We're gonna kind of strike a balance here between going through the big elements of the films, like the plots and the characters, and then kind of focusing in on some of the nuances that they're able to capture with individual characters like Flash and Aquaman. And the last thing I'm gonna say here before we jump into some of this idea of ambition is that Going to this review, we're going to have a lot of comparisons to Marvel and the MCU. Now, this isn't done from my perspective as someone that doesn't like DC and likes Marvel more. This is just a common ground, a measuring stick that we're going to use. Because I think when we talk about the development of this film, you have to compare it to the MCU. And it's in its grandest sense. Because that's more or less what people are comparing it to as a common film goer. Marvel has trained us over the last decade, how to watch and how to absorb a cinematic universe. I think that's why DC really is struggling to get anything off the ground in any sort of, more of the, the ensemble of things. Like they struggle from that perspective. Because when you look at the development of this thing, one of the things that we need to talk about here is how did we get to the Justice League? And when you take a critical look at this, I think you can really poke the holes into why Batman v Superman and Justice League were more or less set up to fail, I think. I think they were set up in a way that didn't allow them to really leverage what Marvel had done in the past as far as building their cinematic universe. We look at The Dark Knight in 2008, the big success they had there. They weren't allowed to leverage that. They weren't allowed to build anything off of the Nolan universe. They wanted to leave that relatively isolated. Now, Man of Steel kind of transformed from that Dark Knight trilogy using Nolan as a producer, Goyer as a writer, and you kind of got that same tone and feel. So to me, a lot of this is the tone. Man of Steel set a particular tone. Snyder set a tone for this universe. And we see that being course corrected here in the Justice League. You see them kind of going a slightly different direction that's trying to emulate a bit of Marvel. Now, did you guys see them trying to course correct? Did you see maybe <laughs> Snyder trying to shift things away from that tone that he set in Man of Steel? Um, no, I don't think necessarily Snyder did. I think maybe uh, Josh Whedon did, most likely, because my biggest complaint with this film is the first 20 minutes, which feels clearly like Zack Snyder. That is no different than what we see in BVS, no different than what we see of Man of Steel. But when you get the comedy and the chops of what Joss Whedon does, that's when the movie really shines. That's when it feels, I don't want to say necessarily like Marvel, but it just feels more just like Joss Whedon, uh, a little bit more humor towards it. So that's what I, that's what I took from it. Yeah, um, I could definitely tell, like as you said, it definitely feels to me like they are changing the course, course correcting, as you will. You all know me and um, my opinions on Marvel. I feel like sometimes they maybe are too jokey, and that's why they kind of turn me off a little bit. Not that I still, like, I still love their movies, and I still go to all of them, but to me, you know, I prefer the more serious tone of um, the Dark Knight trilogy, Batman vs. Superman. Um, but there is a common ground, and that common ground to me was the Wonder Woman film. I feel like that film 
had you know it was serious when it needed to be serious and it was comedic when it needed to be comedic and justice league i think um falls a little bit you know it's close to that wonder woman film but i think it's slightly like a lot of comedic beats which is fine i think you know um it works for what we got um but i i just i really do like the more i like when they take the stuff seriously and I feel like this movie, I ha- like I'm seeing it again for the second time uh, today, actually, as soon as we record this, I'm running right there. But I feel like, you know, some of the comedic parts, some of them work, some of them didn't for me. The Flash? <laughs> <laughs> the Flash sometimes worked for me, um, sometimes didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty awkward. Um, I feel like they were trying to make it more into DC's Spider-Man, more so than the actual Flash. If you look at the Flash in the comics or even Grant Gustin's Flash from the CW, completely different flash in my opinion yeah. and i feel like grant gustin's far better in my opinion yeah i i don't know too much i read a couple runs of the flash yeah. so my comic book knowledge of the flash isn't as great as probably yours or rob's is yeah rob do you think this kind of pivot that they've made with justice league from this tone that was set all the way back in 2013 13 with man of steel do you think that affected that like were you going into this did you feel like there was a big shift or if you didn't know Joss Whedon had come into this film late in the day and you didn't know who Joss Whedon was and what his dialogues like and what his type of films are like would you have seen any difference or would you have thought that Zack Snyder has just taken a slightly different take on Justice League well I think well okay compared to the MCU I'm I think Justice League it, it feels rushed it feels like uh it feels like the DC universe is playing catch-up because you saw, you mean Iron Man come out, and then you mean Captain America comes out, and they roll out all, and then Thor, his first movie came out, and then the Avengers, and they roll all these out, and it just seemed uh, DC was like, okay, we need we needed an ensemble movie, we need we we need one, and that's what I noticed with this movie, it's like Aquaman and the Flash were just kind of thrown in our laps, and even uh, Batman, we catch him at, you mean forty something years old. You know what I mean? So he's, so we're jumping into this and I felt like it just seemed, it just seemed that DC wanted to, okay, we have to catch up this ensemble movie, but we didn't get a, an Aquaman one and you mean, or a flash. And not that I need to see another origin story, but I think the public general public needs to see the origin story. Cause like, I know how Barry Allen got his powers. I know you mean, like, I it just these things, but they can't assume that. You know what I mean? It's just like all of a sudden, oh, they got this kid that runs fast. Well, that's a whole interesting story. How come we didn't get any of that? And where's this Aquaman? And okay, who's his dad? And they touched on it in the movie. It just, if I have a critique of this movie, it's it just felt like we better get Avengers type movie out. And here's our heroes, and here's there's the Justice League. We have this huge property. Let's just throw it at them and it just it just seemed a little rush if they had a little bit more run-up like the mcu did i think they could have painted a, a better picture and then it wouldn't be so confusing to like the the average moviegoer this my friend is the exact point i wanted us to get to they've been <laughs> okay. playing catch up to marvel <laughs> since the beginning they started five years late mm-hmm. they came yep. out of the gates with man of steel in 2013 that was followed up in 2016 by Batman vs. Superman, which let's call it what it is, a spade a spade. It was a pseudo-Justice League film. But like I said, ambition. This thing was set up to fail from the beginning for that exact point, is that Marvel had been training people 
for almost a decade by the time Batman is Batman vs Superman came out on how to absorb and how to watch a cinematic universe. You need to have the characters in place. You need to have the MacGuffins, the villains, everything set up for you before you got to the ensemble. And this is where Batman vs Superman fell a bit short because, well, a lot short because it was set up with introducing Batman, Wonder Woman, rebooted Batman, a adaptation of two massive comic book arcs in the death of superman and the dark knight returns it was set out to put a foundation and a tone and continue that tone for this universe and also set up future justice league members and future arcs so you try to mash all that into a single movie you're already setting yourself up to fall <laughs> no seriously no, because, I, I don't know about that because if yeah. you go back to even guardians guardians took a tree a raccoon yeah and a couple other space people have never even come across, and that movie is super successful. And we got part two, and everybody, most people liked it. Yeah. Um, if you go back to the X Men films, Brian yeah. Singer, they just bring these ragtag people, mutants, together, and it and it, it works. I feel what hurt this film the most is polarizing film after polarizing film. You got BVS, we got Man of Steel, which I love, but not people did like it. All the movies have been pretty much 50 50, mm-hmm. except for Wonder Woman, which is still weird because Wonder Woman would have seen at a high, so you would think that would carry over into this film, but. It didn't really work out that way, so... Yeah, like, I'd have to agree with Troy on this. Like, if Man of Steel hit, say Man of Steel got released and it got the reception that Superman the movie got, the Christopher Reeves film got, okay, say Batman v Superman hit, and audiences and critics loved it, and then Wonder Woman was Wonder Woman, and that hit, you have your trinity, you got Superman set up in a solo, you got Batman who... We just got the definitive version of Batman with Christopher Nolan... If they had redone a Batman origin or a Batman solo film, who would have gone to see that? They would it wouldn't have been as good as Nolan's. And then you got Wonder Woman. So I mean, they set up half the Justice League. You know, it is. I think the problem is that these films just didn't hit with um, critics and fans. Yeah, general audience. Yeah, but Wonder Woman and Man of Steel, they're ones that I think we could probably agree around the table here that they're probably the most received films in this universe. Mm-hmm. And they're the isolated stories, the cohesive narrative, the focusing on one character. Mm-hmm. And you look to the ensembles in Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, and Justice League, this is where it all falls apart. Because they're trying to do too much, they're too ambitious in these films. They're not letting themselves grow within their own universe. They're trying to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Wonder Woman's stuck coming out of Batman vs. Superman, so here you go. And they're just not learning from their mistakes, they're not giving themselves the time. Look how long it took to get Thor right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took them a long time to get that character right outside of an ensemble. Yeah. So I will give credit to the DC Extended Universe for one thing. They tried something different here. They tried going in reverse to Marvel. They had a blueprint in front of them and they refused to copy that or they had reluctance to copy that. They tried to do the ensemble and then explode out from there. And it's proven to not work. And it doesn't work really with any other cinematic universe. Like, there's, can you name another successful cinematic universe? Well, I, I, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Well, like, I would argue that Wonder Woman, I don't think, would have been as successful if she wasn't in Batman v Superman. Everyone that came out of that film, a lot of people said, I didn't like the movie, but I loved Wonder Woman. And then we got the Wonder Woman film, and that thing hit. Like, that. that's the fifth highest grossing superhero movie in North America of all time. Uh, biggest origin opening. Biggest thing. origin of yeah. all time. That's crazy. Oh. And I, I think if we had just, if we... It take Wonder Woman and remove it after Man of Steel and say that movie comes out before Batman v Superman. I don't know if that makes 400 million, 800 million worldwide. 
but you needed a three hundred million dollar movie to make <laughs> to, to fall flat to make a three hundred or four hundred million dollar movie successful. Like it, it just to me, it just doesn't add up. I think that coming back to this idea and this thread of ambition, I think that they're trying to do too much with their characters too early. Mm-hmm. They're not allowing any soak time because you mentioned this before we started recording. Is that Zack Snyder coming into this? had started production on justice league before batman versus superman had even really fallen out of theaters yeah yeah and so you had no time to react to anything that was going on and wonder woman had the same issues is that luckily same with captain america i will say in the mcu is that they were filming avengers before they knew the reception of the first avenger the same way they're filming wonder woman and justice league before they really got the feedback from Batman versus Superman. And they tried to get around some of that. They tried to course correct, but it sticks out in this film. Is that something though that's unavoidable in these cinematic universes? I mean, you're just going to have to uh, put these movies out and have faith that they're going to hit because, you know, MCU has movies mapped out until 2020. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, Black Panther's coming out. Uh, what if Thor Ragnarok was a dud? You know, um, that movie is pretty much already made or sorry, um, uh, Avengers three, you know, what if Thor and Black Panther were duds? I don't think Black Panther is going to be a dud, but you know what I mean? I mean, the movie, you can't, you can't wait. That's one of the issues with the cinematic universe. Yeah, they pump them out so fast, right? We get two or three of these films a year, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So you yeah. keep the ball rolling. But you give your time course to correct in between, in between two Avengers films, you had a handful of films, five, six films, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them are definitive versions of those characters. When you're talking about Captain America, others were Thor of the Dark Worlds. You can go yeah. back and check out a review on that. <laughs> yeah. But we weren't so receptive of that. But then coming back into the ensemble, they had time to tweak a bit. They had a time to tweak Thor in Avengers and finally land on something that works in Thor Ragnarok and that we're going to see probably going forward until Thor is done making movies or Chris Hemsworth himself. <laughs> so all I'm saying here, all I'm trying to get across here is that I sympathize a bit with DC and Justice League because of what they're trying to do. They're trying to do something different, but it's very, very rushed. And if they could just pull back here, and even this film, like you said, Rob, is rushed. They're trying to jam and do a lot of things. Like, they're introducing three new characters, a new villain, a MacGuffin that no one has any idea what it's doing. (laughs) You're trying to narratively drive all of these characters to organically forming a team. You have to wake up Superman, and you have to seed all the future solo films. So that's that's just your box ticking exercise before you even get into a film that has to be entertaining and engaging. So all I'm saying with all this is that <laughs> to me, if you wrap this all up and then say you got two hours to do it in, as was mandated by WB, you're already setting yourself up to feel slightly let down or slightly disappointed because it's going to be all over the place. Oh, yeah. And like, there's no sugarcoating this. This is a disappointment. Warner Brothers, you know, they could PR spin this all they want. This is not what they wanted. But how much of that is on the head of WB? Because I I agree, because coming out of Batman v Superman, uh, when we got the the DC Extended Universe blueprint, we were promised Justice League Part 1 and Justice League Part 2. And then all of a sudden, Batman v Superman underperforms. I mean, it still makes eight hundred fifty or eight hundred seventy million at the box office. Just not received well. Just not received yeah. well. Yeah. And they panic and they cut Justice League Part Two, mm-hmm. and they say we're just making one movie now. And then so you you know potentially you have about six hours. Say Zack Snyder makes long movies. Say each one would have been three hours. So you have six hours of screen time. 
So you've cut that in half to three hours, and then you further cut that another hour, and because the head of WB says, no, this has to be two hours, which is crazy because they've already shot this, and then they come in like a butcher, and they start chopping things, and that's why I feel like, you know, this... This is rushed. Like, you... are they not playing reactionary? I mean, when you look back to BVS, people were complaining about the tone is too dark. They're complaining that it's too mm-hmm. long. They're complaining about Superman was too dark. And then here they go. They they make Superman lighter. Mm-hmm. They cut the movie down. Yeah, and they give us more humor. So like, <laughs> I don't know which way you want them to go, or or not you, but just the general audience. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like you know the one. Um, it's not a cinematic universe, but the one film franchise that I think has done really well, and we can all agree, was the Lord of the Rings franchise. That movie had, you know, you know, beginning, middle, and end. And I feel like if WB had played their cards right and Justice League Part 1 was like uh, The Lord of the Rings, the first one, where they kind of set up everything, and then you have, like, two more movies, I feel like it could have worked. But I feel like what happened, what we got, was reactionary. Instead of WB, you know, keeping their guns and staying focused, they just panicked and they burned down everything i think they threw the baby out with the bathwater. they yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i think uh dc has been very um, uh, reactive and the M- M- marvel has been very uh proactive like if you look at uh, we we get the the comparisons if we get um uh batman v superman is always compared to civil war cuz obviously you got the heroes versus yeah. the heroes but look mm-hmm. look how many standalone movies funneled even not exactly. standalone, but like how many movies funneled into Civil War, including the Invasion movies? You mm-hmm. also had uh, uh, how many Iron Mans, how many Captain Americas, and all their, ex- yeah. all their extra <laughs> – yeah, exactly. All their, and they even sprinkled in Spider-Man. And right. in comparison, that would be like – Yeah, exactly. That would be like uh, saying, oh, um, DC, they're going to put a DC movie, but they don't have the rights to Flash. And then they hang on, hang on. Then we get a trailer and we see Flash. We're like, oh, what? How? What? What's this? Like, it's, it's just <laughs> there's so much going for the MCU when they're doing it because it's just like everybody's falls in love with these movies. And then oh, now you're gonna give us Spider-Man? We thought we never have that. I just, what's next? X-Men, Fantastic Four, of course. Now I've said it, it's gonna happen. But <laughs> bring it. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I, okay. So we all know that. Okay, this is. We know what's going against this movie, and like I said, the, my critique is it's it feels rushed, it feels catch up, it feels this is like you said, Tim. They got to tick all these boxes off, but um, the movie itself, though, as a DC fan, like I don't want to crap on it too much. I I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean you, you said it. As a DC fan, this is the movie you dream about. Some of the yeah. scenes are scenes that you never thought you would see. Yeah. In a theater. Post-credit scenes, too. Post-credit scenes, in my opinion, were the best we've gotten this year. And, um, But if you're a general movie audience, I mean, if you're sitting in the theater and you have no idea who Mira is, and you see this Atlantean woman uh, with telekinesis or, you know, water kinesis or whatever, she, you know, whatever it's called, where she's moving water around with her mind, you're mm-hmm. going to be like, what? Who is this? But you'd be like, it's a cool scene, though. Absolutely. I thought this scene was great. Yeah. Absolutely, because we, you know, we as DC readers know who Mira is. We know Flash. We know Aquaman. But Tim, like, this is probably a question for Tim. Tim, when you saw that, were you like, who is this 
Aqua Woman? Like, who who is this? <laughs> I have like a, a sitting on the periphery of of DC. I know who these characters are, right? And I'm familiar with comic books in general. Like, I knew what was going on for the most part. But my biggest thing with all of this, and I agree with you, Rob. I enjoyed this film once the first half an hour is over. Once I became engaged with the characters. I think if this film has a bright light, it's the characters. It's the actors that portray them. They make it engaging. They make me want to see more of Flash, more of Aquaman. A lot of people don't didn't love the Flash. I thought he was one of the best parts of the film. <laughs> and the problem is, and it comes right back to this, is that things are all over the place. And I'll come back to this again, is that Marvel trained us to how to watch a cinematic universe. And if you're throwing and lobbing all these things at us, and you're asking the audience to make these leaps, you have to earn that from the audience. And the DC Extending Universe hasn't earned that from the common moviegoer to ask you to make these logic leaps and to introduce these characters that have meaning somewhere in comic books, but that have no repercussions in the film. And I think the structure of this first half an hour asks a lot of the audience where it shouldn't. It should be very straightforward. We talked about this as we came out of the film, is that you needed to have this exposition at the start like you usually get at a thor movie with this whole thing with steppenwolf attacking themiscira with the parademons with the atlanteans with the new gods or whatever they're called you need to have that right at the start of the film that introduces your villain your macguffin your connection point between atlantis and themiscira it gives you something to wrap this film around and having that a half an hour into the film just didn't work for me like how did you guys feel about this film jumping off with some camera thing with superman it kind of gives you the feels a bit and then jumping into this really weird batman scene with the parody like rob what did you think of the introduction of batman here um yeah it's i took it because I, I saw the parody and was like oh this is awesome and we saw hints of them in in his dream sequence in uh in in the last movie so we knew there was hints of them maybe coming, and I was expecting – i they're not your average like, – they even make a, a joke about it in the movie. They say it, it's it's not like Jake, you mean, chasing after exploding penguins. I mean this is a huge – this this is a huge thing. They're, and in order to get the Justice League together, they needed a huge villain and a huge army and a huge – so I can – in my DC brain, I can excuse it like, oh, this is an obvious step for me because – this has to happen mm -hmm. because that's how you get the team together. And the way they painted uh, or even Ben Affleck portrayed Bruce Wayne, you needed this, this, this leap in order for him to be, okay, I'm not going to work alone. Mm -hmm. Like for, for that character, like to go, yes, I need Wonder Woman. I need to hunt down this Aquaman. I need to find this, this kid that runs fast. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was okay with it, but it just, it just it's a but then I have that built in my head already. Mm -hmm. Like I know I can catch it right away. Like uh, I was watching uh, Legends last week, and there was one episode where they had uh, time travel. Helena Troy got brought into the 30s or 1930s, and when they brought her back in time, instead of dropping her off back off at Troy, they brought dropped her off at Themyscira. Oh, oh cool. that's awesome. That was the last scene. And they didn't say anything. They just said Themyscira, uh, 1260 BC. And uh, that's all, that's all I needed. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Hell, of course that makes sense. And then, but that was for me and other DC fans. It wasn't, it wasn't for anybody else. And that's, I think with this justice league, 
it leaned a little bit too much in beginning. Okay, you have to know these characters, but you have to know why they're going to do this. And this is that's there is there's too much assumed that the audience would know. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. No. No. I, I I do wish we got that that Lord of the Rings like kind of uh, history lesson at the beginning of the film. But I really yeah. do like the setup with uh, the camcorder recording of Superman. It shows us right away that we're in for a Superman that I think the DC fans will appreciate a lighter Superman. I like that connection that they make with the kids. He's lighter. They give you that, that hope. And he really feels humanized at the same time. So I do like what they did there. I just wish they kind of reversed it and flipped it. Give us the history lesson. Give us Superman. And then spin off and give us Batman. Go from light to dark. Ooh, and then like go that. into the Wonder Woman and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Then that would have worked a little bit better for me. Well, even the Superman scene, I really liked it too. Because yeah. they follow up this weird Batman scene at the start, which I think should have been clipped right out. With the whole Superman's dead. You yeah. see the black flag on mm-hmm. the London Bridge. Yeah, you, the world you, feels it. Yeah, you have them laying flowers in front of the, the fallen statue and all this. You feel that. I think you need that to build the anticipation for Superman. You need to remind people that Superman is a vision or a symbol of hope. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that anymore. So that brings the movie down to a point where it needs rescuing, right? Mm-hmm. So it brings levity to the idea that Superman could return it, could save the Justice League. I agree. I like that. But the problem I have at the start, in this whole first hour, half hour, it's so choppy. I feel like I'm watching a trailer full of clips in the first half an hour. But all you need to do, from my opinion, is move this Steppenwolf, this Themysciere thing, right to the front. Mm-hmm. You can go into the Superman bit. But to me, it shouldn't be Batman driving the narrative. It should be Wonder Woman. Now, this may be a bit of a knee-jerk to the Wonder Woman movie, but you have built-in a plot device within that first scene, within this parademon scene or whatever you want to call it, or the uh, Steppenwolf and his army on Themyscira, you have Wonder Woman there that has a connection historically to the villain, to the mother boxes, and to the Atlanteans. If you use that as a jumping off point, to me it flows narratively better. You kind of come right out of that and you have a connection point and you have someone that understands the threat. Bruce Wayne, to me, doesn't understand the threat why is he going around he should be doing the gathering thing but from the perspective of these people are threats the same way i thought superman was i need to have a plan you guys have talked about comic books about superman or batman always having a plan Mm -hmm. to fight the justice league if they ever turn on each other right and this is what he should have been doing and diana comes to him and says i know you're putting together and you're following these people we may need to bring them together because of this history lesson Mm-hmm. To me, it needs to connect there. It needs to organically drive towards the assembling of a team. And that even comes down to this whole idea of Bruce Wayne going after Arthur Curry. Like that whole scene made no sense. And I'm sorry, guys, for really leveling this right now because <laughs> the first part needs it. <laughs> it's, it's that whole scene with Arthur Curry makes no sense. It should have been Diana going after Arthur Curry and saying, here's our common history, Atlantean. This is what happened in the past. This is why you need to come. Batman can't even comprehend what he is, let alone explain to him about parademons and Steppenwolf that he has no idea about. That's my problem with the first part of this, is that the elements are there, they just need to be rearranged a little bit to feel like it's organic, and it just doesn't. It's so choppy. I I do agree, the history lesson should have been the opening scene. And just um, from what I've read online, there's a lot of that scene that's taken away. But what we did get can we, can we talk about that history lesson scene for just a brief oh, moment? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the one thing I didn't pick up on until after was when they showed Zeus with the lightning. Yeah. Shazam! Mm-hmm. 
Oh. See, I didn't know if it's Shazam or Zeus. I, I've seen it for the second time. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Zeus. Oh, no. But, like, no, it's definitely Zeus. But I mean, like, that's like foreshadowing like Shazam. Like, you were going to get a Shazam movie next year or two years from now. And what else what? was in that scene? I smacked Troy. Yeah, that Green, Lantern, yeah. Green, Green Lantern, man. Green Lantern. Lantern. See Green fly, fly over the place after it leaves. And, oh, I, I that's didn't, incredible. Did you guys... Okay, I'm going to watch out for this today, but... His suit, did it look better than Ryan Reynolds' suit? 100%. Far better. <laughs> actually, I, I think actually that scene has some of the best CGI throughout the whole film. To mm-hmm. be yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Throw it at the start. Like, yeah. I was, that was the point in the film where it flipped for me, where it went from a choppy mess to a narrative that made no sense to a film that I'm engaged with. It hooks you with the Justice League tease. It shows you some of this history. It introduces you, like I said, to the, the mother box, Steppenwolf. You get it all from there. Yeah. You're not make, asking anyone to make any more leaps. This is just the exposition they needed at the start. I'm really throwing my fist here. That <laughs> <laughs> They needed at the start of this film to make it make sense. No, I think that's fair criticism. I mean, I've never had this happen after a movie we saw, but like me, Troy, and Tim all saw the movie together rob and after the movie two other moviegoers came up and we geeked out for about what 15 minutes talking about this movie but even they agreed that the history lesson should have been the opening scene yeah it's true i mean i I don't know why maybe it started out that way in Zack snyder's cut and maybe whedon felt it fit better where it did yeah they said superman the camcorder scene was a reshoot and if yeah. you look at his jawline, you can see a bit of the uh, the mustache. Okay, I I didn't I wasn't looking for it, so I didn't notice it. But apparently, everyone is really experts at CGI and can notice it. Um, sometimes you can, but I, I I didn't look for it. Did you guys look for it? I, I didn't see the mustache specifically, his face, but I, there's something wrong with him through a good chunk of the film. Like he just doesn't look right. His, his body isn't fluid. He kind of shifts funny. It's more in the scene when he's fighting the Justice League members. Mm-hmm. The, like I'd almost feel like like the whole shirtless scene, like it just doesn't look right. I feel like he had the black suit on and they painted over it. Oh, maybe. Yeah, the first time watching Ooh. it, it didn't really bother me. The, the face, second time going in, though, is his jaw. It just seemed a little extended, a little different, like they're covering <laughs> up. Just a little. It's 25 million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that'll get fixed for the home video release i remember watching wonder woman in theaters and the special effects didn't wow me and kind of took me out of the film a little bit but when i watched it again on home video it it was much improved and i think they will improve on that for home video release yeah and also also too uh, if uh, superman does pause before he takes off to take part in that kid's podcast as oh, he said yeah. and and I, I've never, I've never heard of a MCU character doing a podcast. So that's not, you know, whatever. You know what? Right. Plus. Whatever. Yeah. It's funny you mention that because Susie said podcast. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, coming out of this, one thing I need, Rob, Troy, Sanjay, I need you guys to explain to me what the hell is a mother box. Okay, so this movie, so this is what I've heard. Originally, Zack Snyder had attended the mother boxes. To be the essence, uh, or to be, yeah, Steppenwolf's mother's essence was supposed to be in these mother boxes. And that's why he keeps calling just saying mother, mother. So that's what he intended it. And so if he could connect all three, apparently, then his mother would have came down and he would have had the upper hand against Darkseid. That's what originally was planned, is my understanding. Um, in the comics, a mother box is nothing more than like a transportation yeah, a device, boom tube, right? a boom tube. Yeah. You can just get from point A to point B. It's one of the, I think it's the only way to get to the apocalypse planet, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So that's my understanding. In this, I had never heard of them before wielding this power, this giant transformation or world engine where they reconstruct the earth. I had never heard of that before. Rob, have you ever read anything about that, about mother boxes? No, no nothing like that. And it just it just seemed it, it right away it, it it smacked of like Lord of the Rings, which mm-hmm. isn't bad if you're gonna copy I mean, or or not plagiarize, but like mirror <laughs> another movie because they're like, oh, okay, they they had the Amazonians, the Atlanteans, and then and then the men. It was almost like you had like, oh, these are all the rings when they were splitting the rings. That's it had that feel to it, and I don't know if that's what they were going for. But as far as as far as the origin story of the boxes, no, that's I I didn't I, like. It was just like you said, it was just like a transportation, as far as I knew. Yeah, and then you know. And there's actually a scene in Wonder Woman that they added um, post in the home video release where um, Etta Candy and the um, other uh, people, like so the other uh, squadron of Wonder Woman, like all the people that she goes around with, um, they actually discover a mother box in Belgium in World War One, and they it's their job to take it and bring it back and study it for England. So that's one scene that they had put in there to kind of tell general audiences about what a mother box is yeah because it's it's something that i don't i don't like it like all films such as comic book films need MacGuffins. they need something that the heroes and the villains are chasing to get from point a to the end of the film right Mm -hmm. and it's fine but the thing that i liked about them i liked that lord of the rings aspect when they had them hidden on themiscira had them hidden in atlantis and earth that that provided a connective tissue again between the three different realms if you want to call them that and to me all you need to do with the mother box is start on the one in themiscira you need to start in a place that people are one familiar with and two people like and the, we've just seen wonderful we've just seen the queen we've seen all of this and that's one of the best scenes in the film too mm-hmm. is the atlantean or the uh, themiscira battle with steppenwolf but you just need to start there you just need to say this is what they are and have that exposition built into themiscira built into the queen and that again connects those pieces up with wonder woman why she would know and and have this idea of the potential threat because this thing's been kicking around for centuries in themiscira Mm -hmm. and that's all you really need with that you don't need a large amount of exposition you see this with the tesseract in the mcu they just kind of explain that it was just this ambiguous power that allowed you to do whatever and it becomes a plot device just like the MacGuffin here Mm -hmm. just like the mother boxes but (laughs) a question i have to ask you Zack snyder (laughs) does he have something like does he have kind of mother issues like why why are we leveraging mothers again here like you talked about what it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. that was a huge issue or a plot point in batman vs superman like don't tell me steppenwolf's mother's name is martha that would have been amazing (laughs) that would have been the best part of the movie um i he's i think he's very uh was very close to his mother his mother i believe passed away and I think he, uh, I think she might have passed away during filming or before filming of Batman v Superman. Okay. So part of that movie now is I feel like an <laughs> mm-hmm. so part of that scene is uh, a tribute to his mom. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and to go back to those boxes too, I think um, our our origin story of Cyborg in Batman v Superman. That's like you're saying like you for the Wonder Woman or like if they tied it in that way because once once we had Cyborg and we got to his main thread with these boxes it was like oh yeah of course i've seen this i've seen a five second clip mm-hmm. of why he would interact with these boxes and why he's going to be a key member of, of this final uh, ending of the movie 
Yeah, well, that's that's using the boxes, and I think that they do it in isolation or too much in isolation. Use the right. box with Cyborg. Use the box with Wonder Woman, and use the box with Aquaman. Again, that provides something that drives the group together organically, and then you've got Batman circling on the top watching everyone. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. trying to figure them out. So you use that device to do all of your work for you in the plot, and they don't really leverage that as much as maybe they should have. Because Batman, in all of this, I don't know what you guys or how you guys feel about him, but he was kind of put on the pedestal. He's he's the one that's operating and driving this team together. He's the one they're using to drive together the Justice League rather than some other plot device. But to me, he felt like the weakest of the bunch. He kind of stepped back from what he was even in Batman vs. Superman. We don't have a standout Batman scene, as far as I'm concerned, in this film. Affleck seems to be a bit more reluctant in the role. Now, I don't know if that's me projecting what we know already, but how did you guys feel about Batman, about Bruce Wayne in this film? I'm going to throw it to you first, Rob. Uh, how do I feel about Bruce Wayne in this film? Yeah, I get, yeah, like yourself, I think I'm, I was, I knew going in watching this, it's like, okay, well, Ben Affleck doesn't want to play this role anymore. So what's, it almost tainted my, like it, I had that chewing at the back of my mind when I was watching it, but I I got it. Like I I had to get over the fact that he always he's a loner. He works alone. He's been he's only had Alfred for what forty five years or how old however old he is, and then I I got over the fact. Okay, now we have this big threat. That's why he needs to find the team. But it just seemed it seemed out of character for for Batman to go looking for help. Yes, I, it it could have been tweaked a little bit. The team could have assembled a little bit differently with him in the center like you said if he had this uh dossier on all these people like he had and how to defeat them because he knew where they were around like he did with superman they just needed something different it just didn't seem right for batman to be such a loner to be on such a he just wanted to destroy superman because we couldn't have all this this metahuman or the or this kryptonian around and then now Okay, I gotta find all the metahumans. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it, 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 it was too much of a turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I I think Batman worked for me more in BVS than he did here. Yeah, he agreed. felt more like Batman uh, in that film as opposed to here. Here he's a little too late, and he's playing the recruiter, which I don't really like. I don't really want Batman to form the Justice League. The Nick Fury. Yeah, right. I'd rather <laughs> yeah. have that be uh, Wonder Woman. I actually thought it would have been a cooler idea. If, um, you know, back uh, when we get to the Batcave, there's a really cool scene between Wonder Woman and Bruce Wayne. It's one of my favorites. But I feel like the roles were switched when they basically, you know, uh, grave robbed uh, Clark Kent, oh. which I thought was really weird. I feel like Super strange. if mm-hmm. they went that route, Clark Kent should have never been there. Batman should have already had his corpse, making sure that nobody comes to resurrect him. Oh. Because Batman would be yeah. the most paranoid, you know, going back to the Lazarus pit. This Batman must have experienced something like that before. He should have been holding on to this, this, this corpse of Bruce or of, uh, of Clark Kent. Maybe the Justice League would come to him at that point, as opposed to him being like, "No, go ahead and and steal this uh, this corpse." Yeah. I just thought that was really weird, weird and not Batman like. Yeah, Batman in this one, he would get his ass whooped by Batman and Batman v Superman or Christian Bale's Batman. I feel like he didn't have this standout like fight scene. Like Batman should Batman is the thinker, so a lot of the times he was getting saved, and I feel like he should have been like whooping more ass than he was. You know, yeah. like, he got saved in the Batmobile at the end scene. Uh, he's just doing, like, grappling. And I know, you know, he only takes on humans, you know, his human villains in his rogue gallery. Um, but when he goes to the Justice League, he is still, like, the most powerful 
superhero, yeah. even though he has no powers, his it's, mind. it's his mind. Yeah. And as you said, as he's rich, so he has like tons of gadgets. Yeah, he's willing to do things mm. that the other Justice League members won't do. Yeah, and he sh- they should have showed him being more in control. I mean, I know he doesn't have powers like Wonder Woman or Aquaman, but they should have showed him more kicking ass. Yeah. Well, it's almost to the point where coming back to this idea of having a dossier behind or on every single metahuman is that they should have shown him getting the upper hand on Aquaman or Flash, having some device in place Mm -hmm. that can dampen the speed force. I don't know, showing that he has the ability to run the show. Because I always felt like, yeah, he was put in the background because he's clearly the least powerful. And he's just playing this role of, I'm going to pull you in here, all you four, go for it. I'll be up in the sky and just yeah. don't wait up for me type thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 to your point, Troy, about Wonder Woman, I agree. She should have been the one that was driving all of this forward. She should have been the one that understood, like I said, the mother boxes. She had the relationship with Arthur Curry. And she should have went to Bruce Wayne and said, this is what we need to do because of X reasons. But isn't that what they're trying to do in the movie? Bruce Wayne says he's trying to force Wonder Woman to be the leader. There's that line in there yeah. that said... You know, she had been around for 100 years, but she had never led mankind. She had never been the symbol of hope that uh, Bruce really wanted her to. And so he's trying to push her when he mentions Steve Trevor and she kind of gets upset and oh, shoves, shoves him. him. That's great. That scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, he's The whole reason he does that is because he even said he wants her to be the leader. And maybe they're sowing the seeds for Justice League 2 where Wonder Woman is the leader in that film as opposed to this one where it's Batman. And can yeah. I just say for a second, in that scene, he calls out Superman being like, Superman's more human than I am. And I right. think that's just oh, yeah. great writing yeah. right there. It's yeah. Great. What does yeah. he say? He says something like the League needs Superman, but they also need Clark or something. Yeah. There, yeah. There's oh. some good stuff in that mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. when they're kind of all assembled there underneath whatever it is. The flying you can't fox. say assembled. When they're all justices. <laughs> yeah. justices and, and when, and speaking of when they were digging up Clark Kent, can, can I have a, a cyborg flash buddy movie, please? Right. That, they, like, they, 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 I, I was shocked by it, but they played off each other beautifully. It was like, I know the straight man and the, and the awkward guy. And it was just like, it was, it was fantastic. It was, I wasn't, it was, I just, I wasn't expecting it. And I thought they're, they're, them two together was like, oh, I never thought I wanted this, but I, yeah. I guess I do. And, and that's what they wanted to do. I believe yeah. the first initial run was yeah. uh, a cyborg buddy cop film with Flash, and I think mm-hmm. they pulled the plug. Oh on yeah, them. yeah. yeah. Oh, they, wow. And to me, Cyborg was a standout yeah. of this film. Yeah, Ray Fisher Surprising. can act, yeah. and, and the biggest backstory next to Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's so much cut out of that. Uh, go on my Twitter, and you'll see all the deleted scenes if they're still up there. If Warner Brothers hasn't pulled them. There's a fantastic deleted scene where they're showing the history of the mother box and has Ray Fisher as a human and he walks into like a Nazi camp or something. So I haven't seen how the, how that scene plays out, but there's so much, uh, cyborg scenes that were cut. Zack Snyder had said he was going to be the heart of the film. Um, we were going to see his accident. We were going to see him playing football. Mm -hmm. I believe he gets in a, how Zack Snyder wanted it was he was going to get in a car accident with his mom. And his mom was going to die, and then he gets saved. Is my understanding? That's how right. it plays it in the in film. The film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exposition there. Yeah. yeah. The mom didn't. And make we, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, there's a lot of cyborg that got cut. But what we did get, I was like, damn, we need to. We need a cyborg in a Teen Titans movie 
tomorrow. Oh, I, I, I keep him in the Justice League. He was great. The way he reaches out to Diana and they have that moment where he's talking to her through like the hacked Batman computer, yeah. which is kind of cool because it's yeah. kind of like you know the future going back talking to the past. So you have oh. Wonder Woman being the past and Cyborg being the future, mm-hmm. which is so cool. Those two gel and their dialogue between the two when they finally meet on the streets. I thought it was really great. And he captures Cyborg so well um, just for the fact that he plays like he has like not much emotion, but still Cyborg, but still human at the same time. Mm-hmm. So many levels to that character, layers. Yeah, I was great. really surprised by both uh, Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher, yeah. And Cyborg and Barry Allen and, and Ezra Miller. I thought those are two characters or two actors coming into this that were going to play really almost cameo characters. going to be in for the fights, wasn't going to have much dialogue. They're going to play off each other a little bit. But I agree. Cyborg's backstory was probably the best in here. Mm-hmm. You see him struggling over his powers and the reluctance to actually use them for something bigger. Yeah. I like that in a character. I like that they show him evolving too, that he can't control certain things. He's got this language in his head yeah. that he doesn't understand and how he can connect into the internet. Like That's really cool. They did a lot with that character with very few scenes and with a lot of cutscenes apparently. Mm-hmm. And even Flash at that. A lot of people are saying annoying. I'm saying... It brings something different to this universe. And his jokes, yeah, they were goofy. Yeah, he was awkward. But I liked it. He played kind of the younger version, this kid that was in this group full of what are metahumans or full of a woman that's been around fighting for almost a century, a guy that's been fighting for 20-plus years as Batman. You've got Arthur Curry sitting in here, and you've got a cyborg. And then you've got this kid that says, I've never really fought before. Mm-hmm. I like that innocence <laughs> of Barry Allen. I thought that was really cool that he just says, just run in and get someone. That's a that, great was, line. that was a great moment yeah, with push. Batman yeah. and Flash. That was more what I wanted out of Bruce Wayne. He, he acted as a leader there. He acted mm-hmm. as someone that was imparting some advice to someone that had powers that they could do good with, but just didn't know what to do with them. And I thought they could have done a lot more with that. But to me, Flash, one of the standouts in this film. What they could have done, and I know they would never do this, but this movie could have easily been just two hours of interaction between the characters, Bruce assembling the team, and you have Steppenwolf off, and then you see them meet, and then it ends. I think that would have been something completely different because just like Suicide Squad, the characters and the interactions make this movie. You see, whenever they interact with each other, it's fantastic. It's justice it's it's amazing <laughs> yeah no the chemistry definitely works between uh the characters yeah it's pretty good they they do a little bit of course correcting uh with this team as opposed to what we saw in bvs when they tried really hard to hammer over our heads with like lex luther has been keeping tabs on these guys you can yeah. pretty much throw it out the window and just enjoy these characters interactions from this film well he's keeping tabs in his boat oh that's right <laughs> yeah. that's right from his boat spoiler <laughs> Now, Aquaman, Arthur Curry here, Jason Momoa. This is a guy that has been representing this character really hard in the public eye. He had just a, a standout appearance at San Diego Comic-Con, just rocking the stage with this character as they introduced the first scenes from his solo Aquaman outing. Now, how did you guys feel about Jason Momoa in this film? Like We had said at the start going into this that Wonder Woman and Aquaman were going to be the standouts, and I think we can unanimously agree that Wonder Woman was in fact a standout in this. Her, her portrayal is on point. I felt that she fell a bit to the background, didn't get enough of that limelight, and that might just be them not having enough understanding of how good Wonder Woman was going to be. Mm-hmm. But Arthur Curry, like, what did you guys think of Aquaman? What did you guys think of the backstory in Atlantis, him fighting Steppenwolf and some of the underwater scenes? How do you feel about all that? 
Oh, this guy worked for me. I want more. Mm-hmm. I really want more Momoa, man. Um, he was great. I think, I don't know, uh, I'm not speaking for Sanjay here, but when you're talking about humor, I feel like this is the humor we needed with with Aquaman. When we got that scene where he was um, holding on to the lasso of truth. Yes, the time, yes. That was genius, and that's the humor I want. I don't want Flash tripping over himself. I don't want that goofy humor. I want the Momoa stuff. That worked for me, and I think he was so cool in this movie, and we just, we just didn't get enough, but I know we're getting a movie from him obviously later on i really liked what they did with the underwater uh naboo kind of like scene going on there (laughs) (laughs) that looked really cool for me and uh man he just he just embraced this role he he much unlike ben affleck looks like he's glad to be here and he just wants to keep portraying this character as much as he can and yeah really liked what he did there i agree Uh, i thought we were gonna get more but what we did get has me super excited for the solo film the stuff in atlantis looks fantastic uh you could tell in batman v superman he was kind of holding his breath in that like 10 second clip and you know they were still working their stuff out but like i don't know who was the special effects if it was snyder or someone else but they nailed the underwater stuff and i think avatar 2 is supposed to take place completely underwater as well so they should give a big thank you to the justice league crew because (laughs) they found a way to crack that code to make underwater movies I i loved aquaman i'm a big aquaman fan um started reading the comic book when Jeff Johns took over and I tell everyone that and they go, Aquaman's so lame. He's so, he talks to fish. And I love how Batman calls him out on that. Yeah. He, he talks to yeah. fish, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the scene with the lasso truth was the funniest scene. Yeah. Surprisingly written by Zack Snyder. That wow. was, that was a yeah. Snyder scene. That was not a Whedon scene. I would put my money on Whedon. My eyes wow. were almost in the back of my head. When he started going on there, and then when he sat up off the lasso, yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good." I, I I thought it was fantastic because Aquaman has been the punchline of every Justice League joke from as, as long as I've been alive. Damn you, know? you so, super friends! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just like, and it's always they even did that on um um what was it they were joking with Ent- the uh oh, kevin smith entourage? was gonna write the yes on entourage yeah. with kevin smith writing the aquaman movie and <laughs> it just but now to see this it's just yes this is perfect and the using jason momoa it's completely away from like exact polar opposite of what we got in the comic books or what we got on the cartoons and everything else so here it is okay Here's our new Aquaman. This is awesome. And and JC, he just he kills it. Like was and he, he has this charisma about him. It's like if you came home and found your wife in bed with Jason Momoa, <laughs> you'd be like you'd be upset, but you you, you wouldn't blame her. Like, you'd be, ah, whatever. Would you, okay. My man. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, good job. <laughs> it's like I, I'll get my stuff, but I I don't blame her. What, like, what like, I lost to Jason Momoa, like, damn, I'm doing pretty good for myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I thought it was great i thought again that that was sitting on on the last two there was pretty awesome and just the his character it needed that you had that golly g willikers with the flash and the, the straight man with cyborg and we we have wonder woman and now you have like like he had that edge to him which was needed it, it really it was this extra piece for the group that that was he filled it perfectly yeah, they, they contrast each other so much, but I find it working so well when you get into the scenes when they're having this exchange and dialogue with each other. That scene when they're all together there, where did this lasso scene happens? 
it's one of the best in the film because you get a feel for these characters. You you don't spend enough time with some of them. I agree with Aquaman. He gets a bit short ship, but it's probably because he has a solo movie mm-hmm. coming. They kind of allude to a few things, like he's an exiled son of Atlantis mm-hmm. and all that. So I like what they did with Aquaman. I like how they integrated them all together. So to me, the team, once it's actually built, as unorganic as it feels, it, it feels right going forward from there. And that goes right into what would be our first big action scene with them. And before we get into talking about that action scene, I want to talk about the villain of this film, Steppenwolf. Do we have to? Yes. We have to. <laughs> now, this is a character that had a deleted scene in Batman vs. Superman. We know him as the uncle of Darkseid from the comic books. And to me, this felt, I'm going to say it right now, it felt a lot like a poorly developed Marvel villain. <laughs> you know, they, they've taken a page out of the MCU and focused so much on building up the heroes that they forgot to write a villain in this film. And they threw in just a CGI mess. Like, this guy, his motivations are all over the place. It doesn't look good. So uh, how are you guys feeling about Steppenwolf? Is this the villain that the Justice League needed? Or is it just fine because we didn't really care about the villain in this film? We wanted the team. Uh, well, <laughs> shout out to the voice actor. Uh, I, yeah. think his, I think his voice acting was great. I like. I it. can't remember who it was that did his voice Sierra acting. Sierra Hines or Sienna Hines? He sounded good. He yeah. sounded really good, but that's about it. He, this character could have been <laughs> practical the whole way. He could have been practical. I, I don't see why they made him CG. And um, he just looked like a ripoff of um, Ares that we got from the Wonder Woman film. Just, just bigger. Um, CG was a mess all over this guy. Worse than Cyborg's. Yeah, yeah. if... If they were doing still the two part and this led into Dark Side, I could have forgiven it because I'd been like, okay, you take out the general and then you got the leader. So that makes sense. Take out, you know, it's like a video game. You know, you take out the small boss and then you take out the big boss. But if it's you're just making one Justice League film and this might be the only Justice League film we may ever get, it's disappointing that they chose Steppenwolf. If you give me a list and you ask any comic book fan, Give me your top 10 villains you love to see the Justice League fight. Does Steppenwolf make your top 10? Yeah. No. no. It's, it's like a Brainiac. It's a dark side. Right? Maybe mm-hmm. Mazo, mm-hmm. Alex Luthor, yeah. Legion of Doom. As this is, yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, I think that is a much more interesting movie because it's something that uh, I don't think Marvel at this point with the characters they have the rights to could make a Legion of Doom film with their villains. I think DC has always been their strength in their villains. And with Luther and with Deathstroke and you throw in Black Manta and maybe a cheetah. It's odd. Bring them back. Z- they can clearly do it. They tried and he turned into Doomsday. I worked with Superman. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, Rob, what do you think? I think well, I yeah, the CG was just uh, just turned me off right away. I was like, it was like, oh no, 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 please don't, please don't. Now I was able to okay, uh, forgive it because it's not trying to be photo real. He is not of this earth, so that's fine. Okay, I I can put that aside. What I really liked is with the parademons, with the setup with Batman at the beginning, how he catches the crook, hangs him over the building, and he's just using him as bait because the parademons felt smell fear, yes. mm-hmm. and how they tied that into the end. Where actually they made, you mean him, uh, the uh, Steppenwolf feel fear and then have his own parademons attack him. It was just okay. That was fantastic. There was just a lot of middle stuff that wasn't fantastic. It was, <laughs> I, I love 
how they did it and how they set it up. They just there was just some they could have tweaked the little the middle part a little bit more and then that would have been an awesome arc. It's like, yes, your whole army is 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 based on chasing fear and then you they the Justice League all together as one instill fear into you. Now they turn on you. It's it's great. I, that mm. I love. Genius. Yeah. Now yeah. if you if you sat down at a at a boardroom table and, and said that to me, I'd be like, oh, perfect. Do it. Write it. Here's two hundred million. Go make it. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's just like yeah, I just I not my favorite villain. It just I I like what they tried to do, and I got it. But and as I as looking at the movie now, I'm like, okay, yeah, I like that arc. I like what they did. It just I just I don't know. I just wasn't my. Wasn't wasn't my favorite villain either. It just wasn't. It could could have done better. Could this film have handled a villain like Brainiac that needed quite a bit of development? Because you needed a shallow villain. You needed a cannon fodder army. If you didn't have a villain set up in a different film that kind of worked its way into this, like you did with Loki and Avengers, you don't have enough time in here to do everything that you already have to do and set up a villain like a dark side or something like that right you're let's put this on the same plane as thanos you -hmm. need time to see these you need time to build this up if you had to spend 20 minutes let's say of this film 15 minutes of this film trying to develop your villain into a credible threat for the justice league but also develop him into a, a villain that can be likened to the joker or bane or something to that effect i think you run out of time i don't think you have the ability in this type of film with this runtime to do anything more than they did. So it's, I agree, the CGI isn't great. The villain in itself is kind of shallow, ill-motivated. But at the same time, this movie needed that. We didn't have the time to spend explaining everything about Steppenwolf. You just needed a villain for them to punch up. Mm -hmm. And you needed a cannon fodder army in the Parademons to knock around. And you get that explanation in that history lesson, as we've called it, with them kind of Steppenwolf killed whatever an Atlantean and they turn into a parademon. That's all fine. And I agree with you. This Batman scene that I said you could nix right out, you could chuck it somewhere in the middle where Batman's now starting to understand the idea of a parademon and you get this fear arc. I like that. I didn't really pull that out of the film. Like I understood why they were chasing Steppenwolf at the end, but I never really made that connection between the Batman scene until you said that, Rob. So that makes me like that scene a little bit more, but it's <laughs> yeah. just in the wrong spot in the movie. It needs to connect somewhere else. It needs to connect better to Batman's arc rather yeah. than being the first thing you see in this film. Like, there's so much thrown at you there. A parademon, three boxes on the wall. Like, you could have had that later on, and that would have made more sense, and I probably would have liked it better because I like what you're saying, how they tie this thread through of fear. Like, you get that. You, you start the movie with hope. You kind of get in the middle with fear, and then you kind of end with fear and hope at the same time. Like, it, it makes sense narratively. It makes sense from a story perspective. Mm-hmm. And I do like that. So, again, it comes back to this idea is that as we're hashing through this, we're seemingly putting together a really good movie in my brain that <laughs> just is on screen just in the wrong order. Yeah. And just, that's well, what that's, we said coming out of it. Just give us well, all the footage, WB, and we'll edit this Ultimate yeah. Edition. Because we know the Ultimate Edition's coming. I hope so. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind we're getting a three-hour cut. And like you said, Tim, with this with this fear and hope, and of course hope, it's, it's, it goes right back to that first scene with Superman. He's saying, well, that looks like an S. No, it's hope because it, it goes in and out. Like it, it's it, yeah. it, Like I said, if what we're talking about here, if this was us just hashing it out and this is our boardroom pitch, yes. it's – Sounds fantastic. This is yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. Make it go. It just 
it just there's some missteps. And again, Tim, like you said, they uh, also too with they have to have this big bad. And now look at the MCU where they literally use their after credit scene to build up their big bad over what a dozen movies now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, again, it's more catch up. It's more. It, it, it it's it, it's more trying to give you everything you want, but jamming it in there. I mean, again, like I said, this this movie could have been great if if they would have taken the time and said, yes, here's some origin movies, and yes, we don't have our Justice, we don't have our Avengers, I mean, or Justice League movie equivalent yet, but wait for it, and they could have done a lot better. You know, it just that's the, the that's I know we're harping on it, but that's it, it just seems. A little messy with a great, a fantastic idea, fantastic characters, fantastic actors, well-played scenes, and it's it's just there's a little muddiness that could have been tightened us up. Yeah, I think tightening up is the key to all of this, is that yep. you can compile something from what's here. And even with the villain, coming back to the MCU again, I can't remember if I said this or not, but if the MacGuffin was set up in a different film and the villain was set up in a different film, you would have had a lot more freedom within the Justice League to explore the idea of the mother boxes of Steppenwolf to understand and progress his motivations. The same way you did with the Infinity Stones and Loki and all that, right? Mm-hmm. You go to Age of Ultron, it's it's based around, again, another MacGuffin that we're familiar with. We don't need explaining. We get the idea that these are just stones that do something. The mother boxes could have been that. They're just boxes that do something. But you're just thrown, just like I said, you're throwing everything at the wall and hoping some of it sticks. And literally some of it sticks in three little cubes. <laughs> yeah. So as we get the formation here of the Justice League, we get our first fight scene with the Parademons in this underground tunnel. And we get eventually the appearance of Aquaman, which kind of seemingly comes out of nowhere. But how did you feel about the action in this film prior to the end big battle sequence? I'm going to be honest with you. I think uh, Man of Steel had better action than this. I think Batman v Superman had better action and better fight scenes, especially for Batman. We never got that warehouse scene. No, that's a good scene. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, better than Suicide Squad, though. Um, not as good as Wonder Woman. So it's like an average DCEU action, which is crazy to say because it's the Justice League fighting. Besides the Superman fight scene, nothing really memorable. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I put it up. Yeah, that's, that's kind of tough. I put it above Wonder Woman. I, I really like what they did with uh, Clark Kent coming back. He's resurrected. He takes on the Justice. I thought that was oh, incredible. That's the stuff a- he does when, amazing. when he's holding, he's pinning down Cyborg as Cyborg's thrusting at him. And then he has Wonder Woman in one arm and Aquaman in the other. He's taking on three members right there. And then you see Flash zoom in. So and you've good. seen him oh. zoom by everybody oh, effortlessly yes. until he comes across Superman. And Superman's like, yeah, I can still take you right now too. Oh. And he's swinging at him like... That action scene, that CGI, that was incredible. For yes. me, that's probably one of the most forgettable scenes or one of the most memorable <laughs> scenes I've seen of any DC film except for, I guess, the Zod and Superman fight. I thought that was incredible. And then when we finally see Superman unload on Steppenwolf, we, we finally get to see an overpowered Superman yes. using his ice breath, you know, saving like a building full of like, 50 people. <laughs> I couldn't amazing. ask for anything more from that guy. I, I, I thought it was great. Okay, now you make me seem like a liar. Okay, I'm going to go back in my statement. The, the, the Superman stuff was fantastic. Yeah. It was super. I, I, it was super. <laughs> I agree with you guys. That middle action sequence, relatively forgettable. We got most of it in the trailer. But what it does is eventually drives us towards resurrecting Superman. Now, this didn't play out as exactly how I thought it would. We've already kind of made reference to 
Flash and Cyborg digging out, which was kind of a funny scene, but also a very weird scene. And I like your pull there, Troy, of Batman should have already had his body. But for you guys that have read the Death of Superman arc, how is he resurrected in the comic books? Because this seemed off to me. Like, this almost was a plot point that I just didn't get because they had gone from Batman versus Superman and they had made at least an inference or a reference or kind of tried to seed an idea that he wasn't actually dead with the floating dirt. I really liked that. I liked mm-hmm. ending on that. And that gave me an idea that Superman coming back to life was going to be of his own will. Yes. And not so much of them putting him into this incubator and then Flash touching a mother box and it exploding out. How does he come back to life in the comic books? And like, did you get, were you on board with how they did this? Because this, again, seemed like a huge reshoot to me. Yeah, Rob, uh, I haven't read this. Uh, de- I read The Death of Superman, but I haven't read like The Resurrection. Return, and yeah. yeah, The Return. From what I remember, um, there was like a blue Superman and a red Superman. Yeah, like lightning and yeah. like a fiery one or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, it was, sub- it was in Grant Morrison's JLA run, which is an amazing run. Um, but I don't, I don't remember too much about how he comes back. All I know is he comes back. Yeah, they just, yeah, but you're right. It just, they kind of just wrote him back in. It's almost like they, uh, they also, they had that problem with the Earth ones and Earth twos, and then this Superman came to this one, and it just, it was just a jumble. And then okay, he's back. It's like, wait, what? Okay, <laughs> sure. Like, they even did that with the New Fifty Two because did that's they, weird. They kill off the original like New Fifty Two Superman. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they brought back like the original Superman from like the original the run. That's yeah, the pre new fifty two. Then you find out he's not actually. They were both one of the same. Oh yeah, Mr. then they mold together. Had a big thing to do with that, and that would have been that's cool. messy. You think they'll bring in Mister Mixel Pixel from well, Man of Steel too? Well, actually, he is in continuity because that run we we're just talking about, Mister Pixel. Any medium you see him in is the same Mister Mixel Pixel. So he's really? everything. Yeah, and he's already shown up in uh, in in this in the, the new run, the Rebirth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this 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 movie here, like, as far as like when you're touching about the uh, the action scenes, I I noticed when I was watching a movie, if you kind of put your thumbs together and hold up that, oh, I'm gonna shoot a movie like camera style, like uh, you can see the comic panels. Yes. Yeah. Like when if you're flipping through a book, that's what. It, and to uh, somebody that doesn't read comics or doesn't love comics, like the average average public person going in to see this movie that they don't they don't see it so they don't see this i'm like oh that looks like it just fell off a page that looks i could see the storyboard i could see the panels and it i was noticing that throughout the whole movie it's like yes the actions the cg was a little choppy at times and the action sequences uh the superman when he came back was great like you guys said it was just fantastic and then we got most of the last battle in trailers but if you just look at it like if you're reading a comic, it was it was right off the page. It was here it is in in movie form. So that's I really really enjoyed that. I like the fact that it was a comic was the like or it was well represented on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it plays well visually. I I know there's been a lot of criticism towards the CGI. Zack Snyder is very heavy on the CGI, very heavy on these big expansive scenes. But I never felt myself really taken out of the film by any of them. The doomsday scene in Batman vs. Superman, I sat back and was like, okay, this is just going to happen now. <laughs> but I never had that moment in here. And I have to agree with you, Rob. Some of it comes down to how Snyder shoots things. And not all of it's great, 
but there's a lot of really good stuff in here and even going into this battle with the justice league and superman some of the best scenes in there Mm -hmm. in the whole film come there like you said troy and even this last battle it's it's okay like i had issues going into it saying "Ah, i really get taken out by background cgi not looking right i had issues with that in ragnarok i didn't get that here and i don't know if that's because I was a bit more engaged with the characters at this point, so I'm not looking at the background, or I've just come to terms with this is what the film is going to be. Let's enjoy it for that. So the whole end battle sequence, I never really had issues with. I never had issues with anything that they're doing with the Superman fight or this fight in the middle when it comes to the CGI. I think it plays a little slow sometimes, and I think it plays a little maybe too heavy-handed, but at the same time, it's okay. It's fine. It, it It's an exciting scene within a comic book film. These are the scenes that we're looking for. We were looking for them to have these team-up scenes where we see them playing off each other, where we see Cyborg kind of getting into whatever it is, the, the Nighthawk or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. You, you oh, make, making more fox. use of the weapon than Batman can actually Yeah. 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 I so got this out for I like that aspect of it. And to me, that's where the film is successful, is that it takes the scenes with the individual characters and makes you enjoy them. And that's all we can really ask for from that perspective. I think this film has a long way to go to get to a point where we're all happy with every aspect of it. But I can say right there that Snyder's scenes, the way he's shot them, he does have a tone. He does have kind of an idealized spectrum of color that he uses. Mm -hmm. And to me, they use it fairly good in this movie. I know I'm kind of just sitting on the fence (laughs) with this criticism, but at the end of the day, I do enjoy the action sequences here. Uh, speaking of the action sequences, though, uh, the score. I, I'd have to say it's probably one of my favorite scores yes. of, of the yes. year. Yes. For sure. For sure. We get, um, uh, jo- not Josh Whedon, we get John Williams, obviously. Yeah. Superman. Uh, Superman. Yeah. And yeah. Danny Elfman. Yeah. Is it right? And it sounds like they use just enough. And they even, you know, to help you out here, they changed Wonder Woman's a little bit. They and just, I like it. Yeah. Just, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Just a yeah. little bit. Well, we remember in theater, they played Batman 89 theme, and me and you turned to each other, right? Troy, and we we're like, Batman eighty nine. <laughs> I still, I still like the BVS and Man of Steel score a little bit better, but uh, this score is really good. <laughs> All right, so we've talked through the whole resurrection of Superman thing here. You guys are happy with his portrayal. What did you think of the inclusion of Lois Lane in this? One of my biggest criticisms of Batman vs Superman was we did not need Lois Lane. I fully agree with her inclusion in this film. It's it's an expected turn, but it's a turn that I think you na- needed to, again, humanize Superman. He, he wakes up and kind of this blur, doesn't know who anyone is, is fighting anyone in his path. You put what Batman or Bruce Wayne refers to as the big guns, and you put out Lois Lane, and he kind of calms down. I like how they transitioned from that into kind of a slow moment, an intimate moment, before we go into the big blow up at the end of this film. Thoughts on Lois Lane? I actually really, really like what they did yes. here. Um, going back, because this ties the tissues to BVS. Mm-hmm. All along, Batman has been paying attention to Flash's warning that yeah. she's the one that can that can do it. At least that's what I take it. She's, that she's the, key. the key. Yeah, And he, those are the big guns right there. And I, I really like those tissues that they pull on. And I've never been the biggest fan of um, Amy Adams playing Lois Lane. I think she's a great actress. I just don't see her as the fit for Lois Lane. But I'm really glad that they did use her in this moment and then it humanizes Superman much like you said in Smallville I'm always a sucker for Smallville moments when you get stuck there and <laughs> all that stuff was good for me so totally worked for me yeah I would agree and sorry going back to the fight the one line 
Troy, that mean you turned to in the theater was when Superman grabs Batman and oh. says, tell me, do you bleed? Yes. I lost it. Oh. The callback to BVS, that's fantastic writing. I think that was Joss Whedon who wrote that so in. So good. And then it's funny, too, when Batman's like, oh, I think I'm bleeding. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that worked for me. 100% of Joss Whedon. <laughs> yeah. 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 And again, that's that's the humor I need. Just those little sprinkles there, it works. Exactly. Like, when he said, do you bleed, the whole crowd went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And Lois, I think Lois worked. And... I like to see more of Martha, Diane Lane. She's, she's great. She's great. She's a fantastic actress. And Superman, you know, he has the two women in his life, and they really bring him back to the light. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, with Lois Lane, uh, what they did here with Lois Lane was what they tried to do with the whole Martha thing from Batman v Superman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's what they wanted. They wanted that human connection to end the fight between these two, except it just, wow, did it miss in that one but this is where it where it made it work so you can compare the two and say yes that's what they tried to do before but they nailed it finally in this one yes Mm -hmm. big time i the the only problem i have with this (laughs) is that they nixed probably my favorite line from the the superman stuff when he's in the corn and he turns around and says i'll take that as a yes yeah i don't know why they took that away yeah i thought that was again humanizing superman is an important thing and having him turn around and that that should almost have been the point when he remembered everything he turned around and said that, and then she runs out and says, you remember, and then he's with her in that moment. Because I like even when she says to him, now that I have you back, I hate that I have to send you away. Mm-hmm. That's I really like that. Like That's a great moment between Lois Lane and Clark Kent. Again, humanizing Clark, but also recognizing that he is part of something bigger. He is that hope for the world. Because the tagline for this is, you can't save the world alone. Yes, you can, if you're super. <laughs> <laughs> but also, also right? in that... In that cornfield, that's what I think I mentioned it before the show, where you where you see Clark Kent say, "Oh, we have Bruce," right? And it's yeah. just like, "Wow!" It snapped me right into, "Okay, this is a, this is a Justice League movie." It's not like it said with Venom, like it was in the last movie. Now it's like, it's Clark Kent mentioning, saying, just saying Bruce, and it, I don't know oh, why yeah. it hit me. It just slapped me like it was just like, <laughs> "Oh, this is yeah." Oh my, this wow, we got this is a Justice League movie. Yes. This is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And the end scene where Bruce buys the bank. Yes, of course. That that was oh. right out of the right out of the animated series, or right out of like the the comics. Yeah, it's like, of course he would. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like this plays out like the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Yeah. Like yeah. there's like a three episode arc. I, I'm still curious how they're gonna explain Clark coming back though. Right. Like to the general like humans living in. Clark. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Clark White <laughs> maybe or. Oh, I like that. If they but, go that or route. maybe because Smallville kind of already knew in Man of Steel, um, Pete Ross knew who he was and. I think um, the Lana Lana's mom knew because remember she goes to the farm. Right. Yeah. So maybe Smallville will just know who it is and the Daily Bugle and... or the Daily Planet. Well, <laughs> ignore it. Let's put it this way: he puts a pair of glasses on, and no one can tell him, <laughs> him and Superman. Maybe he'll just come back as someone different. Maybe he, well, he... maybe he will, and he'll get audited by the uh, tax revenue yeah. IRS, yeah. and that's how he'll get caught. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or even even it would be great to see like even just a throwaway scene with uh Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne saying, "Yeah, I know." Like, yeah. Yeah. duh. You cool. mean just just to tell us and tip the captain to the audience yes. saying like, "Yeah, he of course he knows." Like yeah. he, Superman's there and you're like, "Duh." Like <laughs> <laughs> You could probably leave the glasses off. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, just a little throwaway line like that. I agree fully. <laughs> or the shirt rip at the end. That's classic. Oh, yeah. Classic yeah. Superman. Is Christopher Reeves that he has like the overcoat on? It was, there's so many of those of moments. So that, that... That's that's a term I've heard thrown around a lot by DC fans. Is 
This is a classic Superman. The first modern take on this character or iteration of this character that people are happy with. This felt like Christopher Reeves coming back into this era, into this cinematic universe. And I can appreciate that because every one of you, all three of you guys have said how much you appreciate. And that was the first thing you said coming out here, Troy. They nailed Superman. Yeah. This is the Superman I've wanted or you've wanted since Man of Steel. Yeah. And so there's a huge plus there that going forward is using this Superman and using him maybe in a solo series or something to that effect is taking the strong points out of this film and leveraging them into solo films and building a universe. I think that's what they need to do. They need to take Superman, Flash, Cyborg, and do good things with them in their own movies. Develop these characters. Use the high points of this film to leverage into other areas. You bring up a good point, Tim. Uh, maybe we should get into this now. Um, this movie failed at the box office. Yes. Let, let's you know. Let's call a spade a spade. This, this this made less than Suicide Squad. This made less than a ton of movies. I'm not going to get into this. Ninety four million dollars. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, shocking. Shocking. Let's <laughs> let's let's talk about a bit about the future of the DCEU. Is there one, or you know, as Superman says in BVS, BVS, the bat is dead. Bury it. Is the DCEU dead? Should we bury it, or is there still a future for this franchise? Yes. <laughs> there has to be I, just because because of because of how i don't know and that's that's probably the dc lover in me and that's how we're going to turn it around like you said uh, i mentioned this before i uh, i think tim and i were talking about this and with superman and batman it's not superman and batman like yes we got the classic shots of him ripping open the shirt and him mm -hmm. being you know, mean the truth justice american way and all this other stuff and but it's the playing playing clark kent and Bruce Wayne is the hard part. Yeah. Brandon Roth nailed Clark Kent. Mm -hmm. Christopher Reeves, he is Clark Kent. Like his, oh, golly gee, blow us and push yeah. up the glasses. And that's, we we got too much of an emo Clark Kent in in Man of Steel. And it tied, we have, now it looks like we're going to see him be, okay, he's not quite as goofy as the prior renditions of it. But like he's going to be, okay, now we're going to see an actual not so emo Clark Kent. It not so doom and gloom. We're going to see him played properly by this actor. So that's, I, I, yeah, they're, they see it. You're heading in the right direction and a couple more tweaks and you're right there. I just, I'm afraid when it, how much does it cost to make this movie? Oh, this is a lot. Yeah. yeah because of the, the reshoots. reshoots. Yeah. yeah reshoots plus, plus the, the marketing, plus the marketing and everything else. Yeah. Like you're into almost half a bill probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not writing the check. So fiscally, <laughs> fiscally yeah you can see them shutting her down yeah. but but then again how do you write out all this love for aquaman or even the next wonder woman mm -hmm. well, like yeah, aquaman's still scheduled to come out december it's completely right, finished it's shooting um oh, okay. be, there'll, be, there'll be some reshoots because not this movie. extensive but every big movie has yeah. reshoots so it's done it'd be so stupid for wb at this point to cancel aquaman i'm gonna bury they're no, not, and no. it would be dumb for them to come out and say that Aquaman will be the last film with the DCEU because if you hear that, you're like, well, I'm not going to go watch it then because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's tough. I know in the past, you know, because I've been saying for a while, you know, obviously Ben Affleck's out, and a lot of people know that Ben Affleck's he's, he's done. And mm -hmm. I've been saying for a long time, you do this rebirth or not rebirth, you do this uh, Flashpoint movie. And yes. We know how Flashpoint, you yeah. know, turns out, and we, we could even have. Um, the guy from The Walking Dead, who's Bruce Wayne's dad right now, uh, right. Jeffrey D. Morgan. You can yeah. have him play the, the Flashpoint Batman. 
throughout this film. And then when you fix things, you have a younger Batman that's now cast. You can now do a soft reboot to the universe. Yeah. And it sounds great. And I thought it's cool. But the money that that would cost would probably be the same amount of money that you spent in this film. And you're basically, you'd be paying, what, 300 mil just to make a soft reboot into the next film. Yeah. Is it worth yeah. it, right? But they've already touched it, even in, uh, in Batman v Superman. Like, they already had the Flash coming back to Bruce Wayne. Yes. And there, we had some foreshadowing. So I'm okay with it. That's that's all I need. It's like, yep, I mean, that's we've seen it. So that's mm-hmm. uh, I can make my headcanon work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for me, you have to look at this film and say, is there anything that is salvageable out of it? And I think there is. I think there's no sense in trying to deconstruct this universe to the point of a reboot. I think using things like Flashpoint is probably the way to go. But what this film, if it does anything good, it's the individual heroes. They need now to concentrate more on putting out good solo films. They can make these solo films for a lot cheaper. You go maybe guerrilla style like they did with Deadpool and give them a $50, $60 million budget and maybe try to focus in on something that isn't CGI heavy. Unfortunately, the majority of these characters do demand that in Cyborg and Flash, Aquaman, right? So it's going to be hard to try to develop characters in that sort of fashion, but they need to now prove that they can make an isolated standalone film that connects into a universe before they even go close to another ensemble film. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think we're getting a Justice League anytime soon. They need to prove that their characters can make money First of all, from a WB perspective and from a movie-going fan perspective, they have to make these characters likable to the point that we're asking for more. Wonder Woman, we asked for more. Man of Steel, not so much. People have been clamoring over a Batman film in this universe. Let's give them a good, or give us, a good Batman film that we can sink our teeth into with a character that's going to be around for the foreseeable future. You want like you do in the MCU. You want to see Hemsworth. You want to see Evans. You want to see these guys portraying these characters forever. We need people like that. I think we've got that with Jason Momoa, with Gal Gadot, even with Ezra Miller. They need to find their Batman. And Henry Cavill, he's good. I'm not convinced he's going to be around forever, though. We'll see how his career does. But they need to do a slightly more tweaking and developing on that character. But yeah, I think the universe has a future. But it's all in the hands of WV, who have proven already that they're not great at managing it. So they need a champion. They need someone like Whedon or Kevin Feige or something to take this universe and really kind of go ground floor up from this. Kind of retcon or fix what they've done in the past year and use the Marvel model and build from there, even though they're running five, ten years behind already. So yeah, I think there is a future for this universe. Could they not just simply just reboot it? Do you even have to? I mean, look, Spider-Man. Spider-Man has just been rebooted for the third time and he's a hit. Yeah. You know, um... Who else would we? The Hulk, the Hulk's been rebooted. He's just been thrown into the Avengers world. I mean, you you're, could you're rebooting just shut a it down. character, yeah. not a universe. That's the but. I, but they have some uh, of the best characters ever. You it, have Batman. Batman will yeah. sell. Superman will sell. It, Wonder Woman will sell. It'll be hard though because we have the definitive version of Wonder Woman right now. Yeah. yeah. You know, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman to millions of young boys and girls, yeah. and that film, you know is the standout is the crown jewel of the DC EU right now. So if you reboot that, do you keep Gal Gadot in that role and just change everyone? I mean, I feel like if they do that, like there's still a lot 
that works. Like Jason Momoa as Aquaman, do you recast him? Do you recast Superman? Do you recast? Yeah, if you Batman? reboot, I think you, you do it yeah. really sweet. I I think what you can do, you can get because Affleck obviously wants to leave. You can get him out, mm-hmm. and then just have Superman as a, like an outlier character. Like, yes, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna participate in the Atlantean War. I'm not gonna participate in whatever Wonder Woman's doing. I'm not gonna like. You can have and Barry Allen in the Flash. You can have him kind of like the Homecoming, like a like a like an offshoot of the mm-hmm. you know how how right. Spider Man was an offshoot of the Avengers. You can have him there and just have Superman. He's there. We know he's there. And yeah, if they turn it around and make another Justice League, yeah, you still have him. But you don't need him with with Batman gone and Superman just on the outskirts. You can carry on with what they have. And then of course. You can give us our Green Lantern movie, and now, if that's a home run, like, it, you could just separate yourself from from Batman v Superman, you know, and yeah. then that way that's that it's taking care of itself. You don't have to reboot the whole thing. You just a couple things you cut out, yeah. tweaks, and use what's been praised. Yeah, of course, fans have been liking, and I think that comes down to the characters. Like Ruffalo took over Norton's spot, right? Mm-hmm. You can recast Batman. I think yeah. people would just get over it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, I'd be happy with it. Yep. <laughs> well, the rumor is Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'd be um, fine with Yeah, I think that'd be great. I think this universe rests on the shoulders of Superman. Um, he hasn't shown to be as big of a draw as us comic book fans have thought. I mean, look at Superman Returns. That film lost money. Man of Steel made less than Iron Man. Yeah. You know? Superman... And I think part of that is because the film was divisive. Well, also, you have to go back. When that movie came out, it was meant to be a standalone. It wasn't meant to yeah. be the opener. It wasn't meant to be mm-hmm. Iron Man. It wasn't meant to open up a, you know, a whole franchise of other films. It's just meant to be a standalone film. He's meant to be the first superhero. Yeah. And then they retconned all that going into uh, BBS. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. also, too, they, they could be suffering from high expectations. Like, when we hear Batman versus Superman, like, I'm expecting like it, the best movie ever because yeah. that's yeah. i've always wanted this and then it, it, i enjoyed that movie and and i enjoyed the director's cut it's just now it's like oh wow it didn't meet my expectation but what could have yeah i mean that's the same that's the same thing when i look at uh thor last weekend after seeing the first two thors i was expecting nothing and then being delighted because yeah. i got a really great movie and the same thing with the justice league movie i've been waiting my whole life to see uh, like i was in the theater going Okay, uh, I don't like this part, but I like this. I'm like, oh, there's the Flash, and there's Aquaman, and Aquaman's cool. Oh, what's going on? Like, like it was, it was so great to have it up there. I think if I wasn't, if I didn't have that kid in me, with such a high bar, these would be. There's nothing wrong with Batman v Superman. There's nothing wrong with Justice League. They're great movies, like we did with Wonder Woman. And I know it may, it may be a, a underlying sexist thing with with just people or comic book or comic book moviegoers uh, as a whole that we set the bar lower whether we like to admit it or not we did because it's like it's wonder woman do i read every wonder woman like it's and it's it's shame on us but that's what we did and we were delighted we were this is awesome so i think batman v superman justice league they have that it just we paint such a high bar for them and in in hindsight they're great movies i like them as a DC fan, and I liked them, so it just, I expected so much more, and maybe that was just lofty. I mean, that's that's more my fault as, as a lover of these things. Do you, yeah, th- sorry. That's some expectation that I think needs to be met, though. This is, they're taking on these things, and they understand the ex- fan expectation, and they've got 
decades and decades of stories that they're able to tell and pull from. And I think that having those expectations drives them to be better. I think that at the end of the day, Batman versus Superman fell flat, maybe because of those reasons, but it drove them to do something slightly different in Justice League. And again, this falling a bit short is going to drive them to do different things in the future. So like, it's just because of the scale. And it comes back to your point there, Rob, is that these expectations, these scale, these films are so huge. We went back and we've been reviewing the MCU and we've commented on the stumbling that they had in phase one, like the Incredible Hulk stumbled, Iron Man 2 stumbled a bit. You look even at phase two, Thor the Dark World and Iron Man 3, right? But because the scale of these aren't near what Batman vs Superman could have been or the Justice League, they're kind of ignored and they tweaked the characters as they went. People had issues with the first Avenger mm-hmm. and then we got Winter Soldier after that. Yeah. So you have to remember too, or we have to remember as fans of this universe is that because of how quick they're trying to cobble all this together is that the failures are coming in their big films, in their Avengers style films, if you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. They're not happening in an isolated Man of Steel film or an isolated Flash film, right? They haven't had the time to tweak these characters to the point where everything works in their big team up films. You look at what the first Avenger did at the box office, $65 million or so opening weekend, and then the next movie did $207 million at the box office. Like, that's a huge jump. Yeah. But because they had time to tweak and build and get that momentum behind the team it this thing did tenfold better yeah. well the comic book movies also changed too right yeah, from then, if you look at captain america from that yeah. time frame to the to the status of superhero films now they're huge mm-hmm. these things are making yep. tons of bank right yeah. yeah and i think part of dc's problem is uh their past movies we're yeah. comparing ben affleck's batman to christopher nolan's batman yeah. Whereas when we got Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, he is the definitive Iron Man. Yep. Chris Hemsworth is the definitive Thor because that's all we have. Yep. Um, we have that's so many. We have so many good Batman movies in the past. Literally, yep. I, I got five good Batman films before Batman v Superman even even came out. Do you? But you, it. Sorry. Sorry, no, I was just going to say, is Chris Evans the definitive Human Torch? <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no that's, Michael B. That. that's Michael B. Jordan. Oh, okay. he, he's my Human Torch. <laughs> he's going to do big things Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, gentlemen, I hate to cut this conversation short, but we had to get to the mid credit scenes of this before giving our final recommendation here. Now, this film wraps up in a nice little bow, and it kind of really segues away from what we are just talking about quite nicely because we get Barry Allen getting a job at Star Labs or City mm-hmm. Central Police Department, sorry. We've got, I always forget his name, Victor Stone. Victor <laughs> Yeah. We've got him going to Star Labs and kind of exploring and morphing more the into... Better suits. Yeah, better suits. it looks yes. more like the comic books. Yes. Way better. We've got Diane, Wonder Woman, coming out into the open and being that hero that Bruce was pushing her to be. You've got Bruce opening the doors of Wayne Manor saying, we're going to put a big table here. I love that. Yes. Yes. So they're setting the scene there after they have this big epic battle. We didn't spend much time on. I don't think there's much there that we really need to get into with this Steppenwolf battle. But we do need to get into these mid-credit scenes because the gasps of the two gentlemen (laughs) that were flanking me in the film, in the movie theater, when Superman and Flash lined up were audible across the entire theater like the two of them like just <laughs> like a kid on christmas opening up an xbox yeah uh, or nintendo 64 yeah that was a, that was my n64 moment right there this is a scene that has always played out in pop culture and part of having these heroes is because they're so well known it's the age-old question who would win in a race flash or superman 
I have my opinion. I personally think Flash would win. Yeah, I give it to Flash. I yeah, Flash. of course. And Superman started flying, so yeah. he cheated. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the stakes, the stakes in this scene where it's like, okay, if I win, you're off the Justice League. Like, yeah. Again, that humor, it's subtle, but it works yeah. for me. I thought it's hilarious. And, That's classic. And the racing Superman. to the coast. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Pacific. Yeah. It's like, yes. oh, yeah, wrong way. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Like more of that in the DC. That's all I need. Yeah. Did you have yeah. that same reaction, Rob? Oh, I died. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I, I was. It was just exactly what it was. Like, reminding me of the uh, Rocky Three, Apollo Creed, and Rocky. <laughs> yes. And where they went, ding, ding. Yes. And they, yeah. you know, it just. It's like, uh, it, yeah, perfect. I loved it. Uh, That's great. Yeah. Now, what about the second post-credit scene? And one thing I want to point out here is these post-credit scenes are now a thing in the DCU, even though they said we're never doing that. We're just doing cliffhangers. <laughs> what do you guys think about the cliffhanger with Lex Luthor, the reveal of Slade Wilson? Ooh, this is another boy. one that you almost leaped yeah. out of your seat when he took his mask off. It was insane. He looks exactly like Deathstroke from the comic books. This sets up Justice League 2 if they ever do it. I think this would be a much better film. But interesting enough, Zack Snyder actually shared the storyboard for this scene yeah. a year ago. Yeah, on the glove, right? On the glove. Yeah. He showed him making that scene, and everyone was trying to think, is that Deathstroke? And who's he talking to, that bald guy over there? So it's kind of funny. I, I lost it. I Deathstroke, there's rumors of a Deathstroke sol solo film. I don't know if we're going to get it now, but I really want it. Yeah, no, yeah. Th this scene, uh, this is cool, man. This worked for me. The, the Deathstroke uh, armor looked much like um, like the Arrow armor from the Arrow TV yep. series, uh, season two. looked identical to it, but that looked good. Um, I really like what they did. But Lex Luthor, he worked for me here. Like He was way better in these like this two-second scene that we got than the whole BBS. I really liked what they did here. Shout out to Grace Randolph on uh, YouTube. She did a video breaking down these scenes, and she mentioned something that I didn't even think of. The two women flanking Lex Luthor... She was suggesting they could be rogue Amazons that break oh. away because they're two women that, you know, we don't see their powers, but they kind of look a little Amazonian. Because he's like, Lex Luthor's always kind of had like these these women security guards that have kind of, you know, can kick ass, drivers limos around and all that kind of stuff, right? So Get blown up be... in the Senate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazonian though, that's cool. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm like, okay, this is fantastic. And, and then you see uh, you see his uniform. It looks ex like you said exactly like the the arrow. So it's like, okay, you're right there. And also Lex Luthor in those few minutes was the Lex Luthor I wanted. Yes. Uh, Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman. He we looked like it looked like he was chasing after that uh, after that Dark Knight Joker Heath Ledger mm -hmm. crazy twisted, but he he missed. Yeah. Like it's okay. Like. <laughs> It wasn't my favorite Lex Luthor. Like yeah. I, uh, Kevin Spacey's. Well, maybe not today, but his Lex Luthor was way better than Smallville. that one. Smallville. But I love the Smallville. Lex yes, yeah. yes, Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah, incredible. exactly. Yeah. So, so if you could have, yeah, that's if they can resurrect Lex Luthor and make that turn for me. Okay, good. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I'm sold. Seeds for the future. I think this is all positive here towards the end of this film. We've got great character interaction at the end. We've got these nice seeds for villains in the future. So this gives us a launch pad for villains, for a Deathstroke in Batman, for Lex Luthor, maybe sometime down the road in a solo Superman. I'm excited about all these. But are you guys excited about giving your recommendations here? Because that's what we're going to do. We've got four recommendations going to be thrown on the table, and I'm going to throw it around here first to Rob. All right. Uh, recommend it. If you're, if you're a fan, if you're a comic book movie fan, yes. 
go see it. For me, I don't know what it's be like when it's gonna be like on my second viewing. Uh, Troy, you could probably answer this a little better. When I first saw it, I'm like, oh look, Green Lantern. Oh look, there's oh okay, there's this, there's that, there's this. There's so many things that as a lover of DC, I I I got, and I'm like, yes, this is what I want. So and even. Did, for if you're looking for an action movie with some good jokes and some, you know, I mean, just great characters and and, and 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 fantastic acting too, like everything and and well shot and right off the combo page, yeah, go see it. Sanjay, uh, how, after this glowing review, how could I not recommend it? Definitely go <laughs> see it. <laughs> I, I say go see it, and honestly, I'd say. Form your own opinion. I know there's been a lot of negative um, criticism of this film. The Rod Tomato score surprisingly is higher than Batman v Superman Suicide Squad by a little bit. Like, I think it's at 40%. Yeah, it's up to 40 now. So, I mean, that's a lot better than 27. (laughs) (laughs) But but I say go see it. Um, Take Form your own opinion. I definitely say, you know, if you're a fan of comic book films... We're kind of teetering on the edge of acceptance. I th- I think we will get the first um, Best Picture nomination from a comic book film this year, whether that's Logan or Wonder Woman, remains to be seen. But I think it's coming this year, and I think mainstream acceptance is coming. And I think it's important f- to have three strong separate universes. So if you're a fan of Marvel, uh, you're a fan of the X-Men films, I think it's important to go out and uh, support these films because... Um, without the DCEU, if you're a Marvel fan and you're like, I want this thing to fail, just remember, without the DCEU and their announcement of Batman v Superman, we never would have gotten Civil War. So if yeah. you're a fan of Civil War, that was a reactionary statement, and it caused Marvel to up their game. And so you want to have, you know, competition makes everything better. So I say go and see it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely recommend go see this film. If you're a fan of comics, if you're just a fan of storytelling, go and see this film. It's 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 a great film. It's my one of my second it's my second favorite film in the DCU. Um, they nail a lot of things here. We get a good Superman. We get some good visuals, some good action. It's not my favorite uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah, rep- portrayal of, of Batman. I liked him a lot more in BBS, but you know, all in all, man, I, I had a lot of fun with this film, and it's even better the second time around. So definitely, rec- definitely recommend going and seeing this. I give it honestly, I give it right now an eight out of ten. Like it's, wow. it's, it's, it's sits yeah. high for me right now. The first yeah. twenty minutes, yeah. But once you can see past it, man, it's it picks up. It's, it picks up. It's a so lot. It's, so sorry, but after after you've seen it twice now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now that you so all that love I got from the first viewing, like there's actually like. You second viewing still cool? Like oh yeah, it just gets it, better. Lo- okay, lo- lots of goodies, and you, and you you know now you can kind of look for more things because you've already taken in the whole story, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow, well I'm gonna go see it in like half an hour, nice. so I'm there super jacked go. to go yeah. see it. Again. <laughs> there you go. So we, yeah. got, we got three recommends here. No, I'm not gonna <laughs> listen to Tim's recommend because I really want to be excited to see this movie. <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna look at it from this perspective. Was there enough in this movie that improved from Batman v Superman? a movie that I have heavily criticized. We looked at Wonder Woman earlier on in this year and we gave it rave reviews. We praised the the right steps that it took to course correcting the DC extended universe. Does Justice League do enough to deserve that same distinction of a course corrector? I think so. I think there's elements in here, particularly with the heroes, that they really nail. I like the addition and the levity that the humor brings. The action and all that, sure, it's fine. The villain, whatever, doesn't matter. The MacGuffins, okay. I think there's enough hidden here to give, I'm going to say a light recommend. I'm going to say 
go see this once. There's no sense, I don't think, for me to go back to the theater and see this again. It's not something I'm willing to spend another $20 on. But to get a story, a Justice League film, is a big thing, especially for the DC fans. And I think it's worth going out and supporting these films. You know, I, I sometimes struggle with the idea of giving money to something that I particularly don't agree with the holes in it. And there's not enough holes in this, I don't think, that wouldn't justify a single viewing. I think there's some fun in here. There's some great stuff with Superman. And overall, is it a good movie? It's okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give it a light recommend. Well, it's better than what you said about BVS or Suicide Squad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so. ju- and like I said in the beginning, just because you're you love blondes, like go on the date with the brunette. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been an absolute ton of fun discussing Justice League. Rob, thank you very much for joining us here in the nerd room. It's been fantastic having that fourth voice, that voice of reason <laughs> to a degree here. And why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, both podcast, Twitter, wherever else. You can find myself at Robert MMCast on Twitter, and I also do uh, TSW Comics with you, Tim. And also, I have another monthly show with TalkStarWars.co.uk. That's the TSW Roundtable. We should have another one coming out soon, and it's me with a big pile of hosts, too many to mention, from the uh, Star Wars Commonwealth Network. And we prep, uh, this is the last roundtable before The Last Jedi comes out next month. So lots of big talk there. And also, too, I have a non-comic, non-Star Wars show, which is the Roman Potting Cast, and that drops every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And it's it's uh, it's a show. It's it's not. It, don't listen with the kids in the car, but it's not <laughs> horrific. So, but if you, if you, what I like to do, if you need a good laugh on the for a half hour on the ride home on a Friday, then yeah, plug it in and and have a good chuckle. That is my Friday afternoon listening. I love the Rowan Podcast. And everything that Rob does is absolutely fantastic. Make sure to go check him out on the TSW stuff as well as Rowan Podcast and give him a follow over on Twitter. Rob, again, thank you very much for being here. We can't wait to have you back to talk. Maybe Aquaman next year. What else we got coming out next year? Shazam, no? No, Shazam's 2019. Wonder Woman 2019. Anyways, this will not be your first appearance here. We look forward to having you back. And for all of us here in the Nerd Room, and for the Justice League Review, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And I'm Rob. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.